This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Equity Mike! I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is useful. Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, where we help you learn to invest in 15 minutes or less. We break down the world of investing from beginning to dividend so that you can hopefully make some returns. My name is Bryce, and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you going, bro? Uh, I'm very good, Bryce. How are you? Good, good, good. Can't complain, as always. Yeah, that's great to hear. I'm very excited for this episode. We, um, we finally got around to recapping the recent competition that we participated in. Yeah, what a couple of two weeks that yeah. was. <laughs> and I think um, emphasis on participated in rather than uh, won or succeeded in. Exactly. So let's just re- really recap quickly what the competition was just in case someone, uh, some listeners have joined us from the start. Yeah, so um, our friends at Stake who are an investing platform that offer brokerage-free transactions in the US, um, are launching an app. And as part of that, they invited us to beta test the app, but also um, participate in a two-week trading um, competition. So we were up against some uh, journalists from Fairfax, um, some people from The Motley Fool, um, and some other people who Matt, knows in the investing community i guess the, the 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 toughest part for us ren was that it was over a two-week period yeah very very different <laughs> to us, so, us that in itself was a, it was a learning curve so this episode we what we're going to do is uh, wrap up the two weeks we're going to be joined by matt who's the ceo of stake as you said ren um, just to get his professional insight into how the competition went over two weeks and, and get his view on why uh, he did the trades that he did. And we can ask some, some of the questions that we had during the two weeks uh, based on some of the trades that, that we made. So, <laughs> Because while we managed to lose money in the two weeks, uh, Matt didn't. He, I think he won the competition. Well, at the end of the day, he actually awarded the competition to the person who came second because he felt it would be a bit unfair if he awarded the first prize to himself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, <laughs> but in terms yes, of he, who made he, the most money? He did make the most yeah. money. <laughs> so, Ren, we're here with uh, Matt Leibowitz, the CEO and co-founder of Stake, who we have been uh, chatting to for a while now. Um, and you actually haven't uh, met Matt before, and this is the first time that we're in conversation together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Haven't, still haven't met him yet, but this is the first time I'm talking to him. Um, I'm still in a different city, but uh, hope to one day actually put a face to a name, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I think you'll be bitterly disappointed, then. <laughs> but thanks for having me. No, if, so, if everything that Bryce has said is, you know, if it's half true, I look forward to meeting you. I feel like I'm <laughs> 
he's sitting across from me at the table. <laughs> so we're here because, Ren, as we've been discussing over the last couple of episodes, we've been involved in a trading competition with Stake. Um, Stake sponsored us to... Uh, spend some money on their behalf on, mm-hmm. on, on, on some stocks in America uh, through the Stake app. Um, so we're here to wrap up that competition and Matt's going to reveal the results uh, of how we actually went. We're not really sure how we performed. We know we certainly didn't perform too well. Yeah, uh, we can have a guess, but... We can have a strong guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it'll be good to do the grand reveal um, exclusive to Equity Mates, can we say? Yes. Absolutely. There we go, world first. Yeah, I don't know if you guys want to be revealing it. But we'll... <laughs> That's fine. So, Matt, for those that are just joining the show, we uh, I sat down with you maybe, what, three or four months ago yeah. now and uh, interviewed you. Do you just want to give us a very brief uh, intro into what Stake is sure. and why we are here right now? Sure. So, Stake is a really simple and easy way for Australian Australian investors or traders to access all the opportunities in the US share market. Um, we focus on a really clean user experience and just giving people access to the stocks at the lowest possible price. Um, and we started with web, but now we've obviously released the app and that's what you were test driving. Yes. But we're fully focused on really just giving people the best way to buy and sell US shares. I'm addicted. <laughs> <laughs> that's not the intention. <laughs> yeah, true. I think, uh, yeah, as you said, you've just released an app and we were lucky enough to be invited to the launch party last Wednesday. Uh, we, we had, had a- fun. Awesome time. Oh, good, yeah, good. we had some equity listeners come along as well, equity mates listeners. So that was awesome. But look, we're here to discuss the trading comp. So, sure. uh, Ren, let's kick off. Do you want to just uh, brief the listeners on how we started and what, were our, what our first trade was? I know we have discussed this previously before, but now that we have Matt in the room, it'd be great to discuss a few of the pivotal moments in, yeah. our, in, our, in our competition and where we went wrong. And we'll also go and to a bit of detail in where Matt went right because as the professional that he is, he made some money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is good, you know. It, we, it would have been disappointing if we beat him, I think, but he, uh, I think he well and truly put us to shame. Yeah. I don't think we've agreed to do this interview. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Our first... So we joined the competition. We were told it was two weeks, which instantly put the time pressure on us. Uh, we've never worked to a deadline like that before when we're trading, so... I. I think the first thing that happened was all technique and uh, thought went out the window and we just tried to find a stock that was going up and we'd try and uh, ride it uh, up a bit higher. And that was where we came across our first uh, pick, which was Avalara. The logic behind that was it had just uh, gone, it had just floated on the share market and it had almost doubled in a few days. So we thought uh, it might keep going up. So we went all in, 370 bucks <laughs> on the very first night. We went in with the expectation that everyone was trading on the first night. Uh, Matt also went all in himself. Can you remember what trade you went in on, Matt? Yeah, I bought a shipping company called Frontline. And what was the reason for that? Uh, shipping had been pretty strong in another portfolio I owned, I still own it. Um, it was C-SPAN. And so I kept an eye on the industry and I had seen a lot of what I considered volume moving into the stock and the share prices started to turn around. I was looking strong and I just thought I'd just caught it when it started its trend. So mm. I just literally just put my money in that and yeah, it was it was good on the first few nights and the end it started dripping down. I'll talk about it later and I sold out for a small profit but not as much as I was at the first or second night. So at this point you were looking for uh, technical indicators on the charts? Yeah, so I, my philosophy is to buy strong stocks. I try to buy things that are performing well rather than 
try work out when something's hit its bottom. I, I like to say don't catch a falling knife. Yeah. Um, and you don't stand in front of a moving train. You just jump on board. Yeah. So, Literally, I saw something that was moving out. It looked good. It hadn't been extended too far. It wasn't exponential. I think Bitcoin, 20,000, something. Yes. Yes. Um, it was starting to turn. Uh, and I just thought this would be a night. If I'm going to try and get something to move in the next few days, this could be something worthwhile. And I, I think after two days, it was up sort of 4 or 5%. But it came back down to 2%, so I got out. And then we can talk about the next trades after that. So at this point in time, Ren, I would say that uh, Equity Mates won Matt one because we both chose stocks that were rising. <laughs> would you yeah. agree? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think you're being a bit generous, but I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, mean, I, I look at your, you know, as we sort of touched on during the competition, it doesn't actually matter what you buy and sell, it's how you manage it. Yeah. Uh, and as we find out, you actually pick the right stock. Um, well, so let's talk about that. Yeah, yeah. So two nights went by, Ren, correct me if I'm wrong. And the, yep. sec- the first night we lost a bit of money, right? Yeah, like 2%, nothing major, but, you know, dampened our hopes a little bit. Yeah, but we decided to stay in the stock, back yep. ourselves, and we had a stop loss on it, which we've spoken about before in the episodes is a way to minimize your downside. Yeah, and it turns out almost... Minimize, also minimize your upside. Yes. So what happened was we put on a stop loss and Matt gave us a bit of a hint and said, you know, we need to increase the stop loss. I think we had it on for 5% and then we put it to 8% or something yeah. like that. And then the, the, the markets opened and almost immediately it dropped upwards of 8%. Okay. We lost and then it bounced 25%. So what would, <laughs> what would be your comments there, yeah. Matt? Uh, look, that's an easy one that happens uh, and you can't be... You can't look back and say, what if I done it differently? Because you can't really put on a trade again once yeah. you're out. Uh, you actually need to stick in. And your discipline is really good. I think you should look at the result. You should look at the process firstly. It's important to have a stop loss in there. Otherwise, you've got, you can lose all your money. And that's not what this is about. Um, the thing I look at is what is basically the volatility of the stock. So a stock that moves 20 cents a day uh, on a share price of $2 moves on average 10% a day. You're not going to put a stop loss at 5% because that's really half a day's move, Yeah. for example. So Avalara doesn't have a long trading history. You guys went in Very early. pretty early in its journey. <laughs> yeah. So there's not a lot of data you can use. But what I like to do is I like to look at the stock. How's it been trading over 15 days? And how, what does it move on average on those days from high to low or the, the total range of trades? So something like Frontline, I think, moved, I think it was um, like 6 cents a day. So I chose a 18 cent stop loss. So giving it some wiggle room, three okay. times its average daily move. If it's moved down, you know, if it moves down 18 cents in one day, or it moves down six cents, six cents, six cents, I'd probably be out because I've clearly got this thing wrong. Whereas you guys, I don't know, I didn't know the average range that mm. Avalara moves, but I'm assuming that eight percent. You know, obviously if it moved 25 percent in the next two days, it's <laughs> quite a bit a day. Yeah. So you probably need to give it a, lot, a little bit more wiggle room. Yeah. So I mean, that was a big learning for me, Ren. I don't know about you, but yeah, pretty devo to see it up 25. <laughs> yeah, that that was devastating. <laughs> I think what was more devastating was one of the other journalists sort of bought it when you sold it. I know. Yeah. <laughs> So that's a, that's a good indicator, actually. Yeah. The Bryce and Ren sell is a good time to buy. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, at least he was watching us. That's the main thing, you know. <laughs> at this point, I don't think many others were in. Actually, that most of them were still cash, weren't they? And yeah, a, a few. A few bought classics. Sort of uh, Mastercard. Someone had bought Z Scaler. You know, obviously a recently listed um, IPO. And then someone had bought Facebook. So they weren't as aggressive as you or I. They were going the classics. And I think that's a nice way to start. You, you know, the US has got sort of 3,000 stocks and it's really hard to pick the ones you want. Um, so just going, getting in the market with something you know is an easy way to sort of feel how the, the app works and then also how the market 
you know, just to fill out the market a little bit. Then when we were all cash because we'd sold out, we were back to where well, we'd lost a couple of percent or 6% maybe. So we were down 360 odd dollars and we had a buy-in for Fortinet Inc, FTNT, which kicked in and then kicked out almost in the same day, I'm pretty sure. So that was another waste of trade. (laughs) Then we had a bit of a debacle with trading on unsettled funds and we put in trades. One was for Netflix and then the other one was for, if you can remember, Ren, please remind me, but I I honestly can't remember what it was I was just thinking about this as we started talking. I I can't. It It was something we went hard on. Yeah, it was a a really good-looking chart and... To be honest, I'm pretty happy that we don't remember because it probably has skyrocketed since we didn't buy it. I'm just looking at the chart of Fortinet now. You guys really, uh, you know how to pick them. That's a good one. At least we know we've got to work on it. Yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that came in and out. And then, yeah, so then we had this debacle with the unsettled funds. And so we went an aggressive stock and then a safety net of Netflix. Unfortunately, the aggressive stock was the one that had the trade rejected because we actually were trying to buy with funds that we didn't have. So we ended up with Netflix and and we were sort of happy with that because we didn't see it as being something that would <laughs> go massive either way. You were trying not to lose. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We're defensive at this point. Unfortunately, we started losing from the, <laughs> from the get-go. I guess, what, what's your comment on, on that, Matt? Was was that a, a smart thing to do? What what would be your... I mean, looking at Netflix, obviously, yeah. is it on your radar at least? Or we, at the time, I remember we were discussing that the stocks in tech had... I, I guess our thinking was that tech had a bit of a beating the week before. Maybe yeah. it was going to rebound, like... Yeah, I mean, look, it's a case you can overtrade. It is a problem for people. And, you know, putting you guys under a two-week window doesn't make life easy because you feel like you have to do something. And that's not the way to make money long-term. It's to be sort of like a, a line in the jungle. you just got to, you know, wait for your prey to appear. Yeah. Um, so I wouldn't look at this two weeks as like a good test case. It's really about getting you guys into the app and into the market. Yeah. Um, so that said, you probably traded more than you had to. That would be my first comment. The second comment is it doesn't matter when you buy a stock. You could throw something at a dartboard to pick stocks if you really want. As you're finding out, you're picking the right stocks. (laughs) The money management is where you make your money. Everyone goes into investing thinking, I'm going to buy this, it's going to go up. It goes down, it goes up, it goes down. It's how you handle your emotions during that period and it's how you handle the trade. The money is made on the managing of the trade, not the stock selection. I mean, I think we will go through it. You know, I think I, I, I made for the period, but I was only right, I think, Two out of the five trades I did. That's forty percent hit rate, but my performance was I think ten percent over the two weeks. Mm-hmm. So it's not about getting it right; it's about making sure you manage your trades right. Mm-hmm. So that's the key message for you: is don't worry about the stocks you buy. Worry about once you're in it, how am I how am I massaging that trade? That's the key. So Ren, I guess our comment for that would be that we didn't really ha- we didn't ha- a have a stop loss in Netflix and b we just decided to ride it out because we were kind of lost for a bit. Would yeah. You agree? Yeah, we've definitely lost by this point. (laughs) So we didn't really manage the Netflix trade. But Matt, let's go back to uh, what you were discussing just then, because I think around this point, it was when you made a your winning trade and you were discussing how the market was at at a point of volatility. uh, And there are a few aggressive trades out there to be made. Yeah. So this is a don't try this at home sort of trade. (laughs) (laughs) I was... uh, a derivatives and volatility trader for nearly 10 years. So this, I have a um, yeah, deeper understanding of the market, but everyone can get there. Yeah. So I think the thing I mentioned to you is volatility is like a coil. Yeah. A bit, a bit like a, um, how do I explain this? 
Um, when you push a cork underwater, the deeper you push it, the quicker it springs up. Volatility is much the same. So what I was seeing in the market, the volatility had been compressed. The market was at a tipping point. And I got the sense that with the, with all the news going on, if there was going to be the market was going to downtick, people were going to rush to buy protection. So I bought an, a volatility ETF that if volatility went up, it would skyrocket. So I, I basically took a bet that my downside is pretty limited. If we if the market ticks up a little bit, this this index won't go down much because it's quite low already. But if the market goes down, this thing will really shoot. So it was I call it an asymmetric trade. Like my downside was really low and my upside was very high. So I just I bought it then, and I it went. I lost a one or two percent the first night, but you know, this thing moves. Yeah, and I think it went twenty percent. Yeah, within or seventeen percent that day. Yeah, the next day. So I thought I had very limited downside and a lot of upside, and it did exactly what I wanted to do. So I got out pretty much at the top. I hit my stop. I hit my profit target pretty quick. But as I said, that that comes more from experience, and I could spend like I could spend a year talking about volatility because <laughs> it's so fascinating. But for the purpose of you know the listeners out there, it's like if you see an opportunity that is asymmetric, i.e., you think you've got limited downside and significant upside, it's probably worth playing. And if you lose on it, that's fine because you go in knowing how much you're going to lose. Mm-hmm. You keep your stop loss and you walk walk away. And when it does what you need it to do, you also get out because mm-hmm. uh, how do I put it? It's like picking something up off the street that is so clearly obvious. And I just saw it. It was one of those. Th- you know, I can't. That'd be nice. Yeah. No, yeah. No, you're, yeah what um, streets are you walking down? Yeah, we're in Malara. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so Matt, can I ask you a question about that? So you said um, when the trade hit your top or your profit target, you knew to get out. Um, when we were talking about stop losses before, you talked about you look 15 days back at the daily um, moving average. Uh, and you set your stop loss at around around three times whatever that was. How how do you know what the top of a trade is? Is it a similar process? Yeah, so what I do is I say, what is the average range in which this stock has moved out over 15 days? So it could be, you know, something like this was like 6%. So I set, if this is is my personal, this suits my personality, everyone's got a different risk appetite. So I'm talking in relation to Matt Leibowitz and my strategy. Um, I basically set it at the profit target at, three times that just on the most recent high. So what is what if every day, what's it's quite hard to explain, but I I enter the stock and I go, okay, cool, what is the price I enter it at? And therefore I set the stop loss down three and I set the, the profit target up three. But as the stock keeps moving up a little bit, I set the new stop, the profit target, three point three times the average range of the of the high. So as the stock goes up, I keep setting it higher and higher and higher. So it's a rising sell. It's a rising sell. I just want to blow out move. I literally, if, if, if I have a if I have a windfall, windfall, windfall profit just on one day's big move, I'm going to take it. I'm not going to sit there and wait. Yeah. You don't get exits very often. Yeah. Um, so my strategy, it's uh, it's probably easier to draw than to talk about. But I look if there's a big day in which it moves three times its normal range, I want to get out. Especially with volatility, which reverts to the mean. Yeah, okay. So the next day, it is dribble, 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 dribble back down. Yeah. Uh, um, so yeah, it's it's a complex trade. As I said, it's not a it's not easy. It's not, not an easy one, and I probably use my experience to my advantage. Yeah. But I had a clear strategy, which was I've got a stop loss, which I prepared to get out, and if this thing gives me a windfall gain, I'm out as well, and I just know what that windfall level is. So every trade that I go into is planned. Mm. It's it's you have to be clinical before you remove that emotion. I think at this point our listeners are realizing why 
uh, you won the competition and where you lost money during the competition. <laughs> yeah, but I started exactly where you guys were, you know, at, you know, going through, you guys obviously have just gone through university. Uh, I was in exactly the same position. I put my first trade on in the second last year of university. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Well, maybe my third last year. And then it's just been a lifetime of being in the market. So uh, you guys are like two weeks ahead now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's hope for us. Like, yeah. Absolutely. After your stock picking, I'll just get you guys to select the stock. Yeah. So I'll manage them. Well, uh, let's move on. Did you decide to cash out completely after that? I cashed out and the rules of the competition required users to, or the, like the investors, the uh, competitors to make at least three trades or yep. three stock trades. So yep. I had um, made a tiny bit on frontline, like I'd written it up five and then down three, so it's up two on that. I made 17%, I made 15% net, I think, on this one. And then I needed to make a couple more trades, and which I did. I bought... Uh, I think I bought a NASDAQ ETF, which I lost a little bit on, and then I bought uh, just a, a, a another another volatility ETF, but I, I did it in a very small amount uh, <laughs> just to reduce my exposure. <laughs> yeah, uh, which is one of the great things about stake. Yes, um, yes. Give a small dollar amount. Um, That's good. So I ended up 9.8%, I think, for the two weeks. Uh, 9.6% for the two weeks. So, um, yeah, I was pretty, I was up 14% at one point, but... Rules are rules. Yes, so got to trade. Uh, yeah, got to trade. So, okay, so up 9%. Uh, Ren, we decided to stick with Netflix. And then on the, I think it was maybe, you know, three or four days out, it was a Friday night. Um, we we're probably both on the beers and we decided that um, we, we <laughs> needed to put a drink and trade. <laughs> we, needed to, we needed to put a trade in. And uh, your idea was to go with, with the NASDAQ. The NASDAQ uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the triple leverage. And we were pretty happy with that. And then a few more beers in your text and said that uh, Donald Trump had decided that he wants to leave the World Trade Organization <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and that it might not be uh, the best idea to go long on the NASDAQ because of the volatility that might come through. Now, Matt, I'm interested in the comment because we sort of flicked that idea through to you and you said, don't worry about Donald Trump. Yeah. So, I mean... And you said something similar the other day. You said, I only follow the money. I don't necessarily care about what anyone says in the news, yeah. which with Trump in the news at the moment, sometimes it does sway the market quite considerably. I mean, can you just 
quickly talk us through what your comments there are about? Yes. Yeah, so the news doesn't move markets. The only thing that moves markets is people buying and selling. I could say I could write an article and it doesn't do anything. So I really look for what what actually moves the market is if someone more aggressive buying and selling. The news is already priced in. People will buy on the expectation that something will happen. So when Trump said that, you've got an assumption that it's bad news. The person who's actually got the money investing may think it's great news. So the most likely outcome is that person that has got the money and is about to move it into the market is actually going to bring the market up by buying. So the key is to look where the money goes, not what the news says. You know, journalists can write an article and it can appear negative, but the only thing that actually is going to move the market is the portfolio manager, the investor, the trader, the speculator that's actually putting their money into the market or taking it out. Yeah. So the only way you can ever really tell that, unless you're literally sitting next to those people, is by the volume that's actually moving through the market. And that, and that, and that's why I look at charts because it just gives me a much better sense of what's happening. Just like a picture paints a thousand words sort of thing. Interesting. So, I mean, that's a learning for me because I often think that the markets are reactionary sometimes to what the the news is saying. Um, I don't know about you, Ren, but yeah, and I guess that's the narrative that you get you get from the news itself. That, you know, yeah, like exactly. traders reacted to X by doing Y sort of thing. Yeah, no, I mean, what I like to look at is a really good way to learn this is to actually look at company reports. Yeah. Sometimes a re- company will report positive earnings. They'll have year on year growth uh, and they would have blown they would have blown away the previous years. But because the market had expected much higher, the, the product, the share actually gets sold off. So, you know, you could get a report that says Nike reported Fantastic earnings. It was up 33% on the previous year in terms of whatever. It's EBITDA, for example. But if the market had priced in 40%, the stock's going to fall. And the 40% is already priced in with the share price because those people that are putting their money behind Nike have expected 40%. And when it it still may be great earnings at 33%, but it's not great compared to what was expected. So, you know, the markets are always forward-looking. They're not actually reactionary at all. Um, I would rather look at the markets by news than the news itself. And that's something we've discussed on the shows, you know, when reporting season comes, as you said, 40% might be great, but not good enough. Exactly right. All right, so we put in a trade on a very aggressive stock, three times leverage, NASDAQ 100, TQQQ, I think it was called. Expecting big things uh, on the second to last trade. And then the weekend came, Ren, and then Monday came. And so we were in Netflix and this QQQ, we decided to sit on our hands and just let it ride out. Unfortunately, it didn't ride out the way that we had hoped. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So it continued to slide a bit. We could have come screaming home. I know, and I was actually looking at this stock today, Ren. So we bought it at $57.70. And it's now sixty-two seventy-eight. Oh, damn it! 10%. If only the competition was three weeks. <laughs> Dang! Oh Think, well, lesson learned. Thinking about that trade though, they were two very highly correlated positions. Which yeah. I'd be interested to know your thoughts, Matt. Like, if you if we were to take two positions like that. Would it have been better just to, you know, just do one position and put our whole portfolio into either one or the other? Depends what you're trying to achieve. So if you want to diversify, profit. yeah, profit. <laughs> As a, you guys got it right. Um, oh, your stakes money. We should let you play with it for longer. Yeah. <laughs> you can uh, give it back if you want. Yeah. <laughs> I just gave Bryce a few drinks here. So, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it depends on what you're trying to achieve. There's no right answer. Uh, you, you can have a one-off event in Netflix that could have propelled you, but then if, if Netflix would have brought the Nasdaq down even by a small proportion because of its weighting, you could have just traded one stock. 
But it's good to get exposure in a couple of stocks if that's what you guys wanted to do, if you want a Netflix-specific exposure. But as you saw, right right now, the market's in a state where the news, what's happening in the market moves all stocks, mm. especially big tech stocks. Mm. They're pretty correlated to the NASDAQ. So your trade wasn't that effective in terms of at the moment. But if Netflix is reporting, then it would move totally separate to the Netflix. Mm. To um, Netflix would move totally separate to the index. Mm. But in this market conditions, and that's a little bit of experience, uh, pretty much everything's quite correlated, mm. especially when things are volatile, you see a lot of correlation. Matt, do you want to quickly say if there were any trades from the competitors that you thought were interesting or did really well, because I actually don't really know what they did as well, Sure. Um, anything that stood out, and then can you give us the grand reveal and let us know <laughs> where we finished? <laughs> I think we've got a pretty strong idea. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Uh, I was really impressed, and I, and I was actually... It doesn't actually matter how much people made or didn't make. I think the key was, do they show discipline? Are they inquisitive? Are they curious about learning more? And that, to me, defines success early on in their career, if you're investing in career. It's such a long journey. You can be in the market for 50 years. You start when you're 20, um, and you're you know, trading until you're in your 70s. Mm. You're know, investing in your 70s. It's, you know, what, what's two weeks, really? So. Yeah. Yeah. A trade specific. Um, I think everyone did. You know, you guys did the right thing. You had to stop loss in there. That's the most important thing. Like that's going to allow you to survive for longer. So I was really impressed with the fact that you guys had a stop loss in there straight away. I thought, you know, Fred Shabester from Finder. He obviously made money on Tesla. Uh, okay. He bought a strong stock. You know, obviously it had been battered a few months ago, yeah. and then you know, um, Musk came out and institutional money started coming back in. So Fred picked a strong stock. Um, I think David Swan bought Zscaler, which is also uh, really moving up post IPO. So everyone was buying strong stocks. It was yeah. good and the market sort of was a little bit whippy. It was really hard conditions to trade in, but everyone kept to their stop losses, which was the most important thing. So yeah, you guys may have lost some money, but you've got money now to go invest. And as you've seen, all your stocks have turned around as the markets rallied. I was really impressed with Alison Banny. She was very disciplined. She would ask questions around where should my stop loss be? Why should it be here? As I said, the curious nature is the most important thing. If you've got an appetite to learn and get better, that's all you need to make this work. Yeah. Like anything in life, if you're curious and you want to learn and you put some effort into it, you'll make it a success. And that's pretty much why we started Stake is we believe that everyone inherently has an ability to manage their own money mm. and they just need access to the best opportunities. Mm. If you're doing it with your hand tied behind your back, it's going to be really hard. Mm. But back to the competition, yeah, I, as I said, everyone showed a moment in which I saw something that they could make it happen. And the fact that you guys have been curious, obviously you're doing the podcast, so you're, you're interested in the markets, yeah. uh, but you had really good discipline. You you, you asked questions, you, you got a stop loss in there, you're still asking questions. And that, and that to me, that defines success, not the actual result itself. Mm. So what was the result? <laughs> uh, top to bottom, bottom to top. <laughs> Let, well, let's start. So you were up 9%, but you took yourself out of the competition. Yeah, I did. I was, Obviously, yeah. um, can't award yourself top first prize. No, I had to just win stake back some money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Fred Shabeshda won it at Finder. He, he's big traders on Tesla. Yeah. Um, what was he up? He was up 4.46% for the period, which okay. is fantastic. I mean, over two weeks, that's uh, amazing. Fred's yep. a, a really big uh, crypto trader as well. Okay. 
Um, so it was really interesting to get some of his chat and understanding and just learn a little bit more. It's yeah. something I haven't delved into. I don't know about you guys, but the, no, no, the band was pretty interesting. David Swan came in next. His big buy was Zed Scatter, which sort of rocketed him up. He was sort of drifting just below break even and came in right at the end. He was just finished above even. Yeah. Will McInnes from the AFR finished flat. Um, he bought Avalara right when he got sold. <laughs> oh, no. so he's got a target on his back. <laughs> Alison Banny uh, was down around 6%, but yeah, she also had a situation where she got stopped down and then it rallied as well. But yeah. the, the key thing was the discipline is there. Have a stop loss in there. Have a strategy. Yeah. Don't just don't buy just and hope. Fly. You know what? People put their head in the sand sometimes. I don't want to look at the stock. Like It's only going to get worse. Yeah. It's only it, Things only get worse if you don't pay attention to them. Uh, and then it was Matt Hopkins from Pedestrian who wrote a great article about it. And then holding up the holding up the team, pushing the team from behind, we like to say, <laughs> moving, us, moving us forward was the Equity Mates crew. <laughs> Look, great. I think our results don't really reflect how well we performed during the competition round. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Righto. They don't no. reflect your ambition. Exactly. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Look, big learning for us, I think, Ren. We we had a great time. I think, as you said right at the start, uh, that the two weeks was the biggest throw throw off for us from the start, from day one. I guess is there what was probably one of your biggest learnings, Ren, and has this changed your view on, um, I guess, sort of technical-based trading, chart-based trading? So uh, I guess my biggest learning was when you're trading in such a short period of time, it's not just about being generally right about what company will do well or you know what market will do well over a longer period of time, but it's about being specifically right about what will happen today or tomorrow and when a stock price will go up, which is something that, as was pretty obvious, I am not great at and I'm pretty happy investing for the long term. But, you know, hearing Matt talk, hearing some of the techniques he uses, I definitely think it's an area that I want to learn more about because, you know, as he said, he, as he said, Matt, you can own any stock and you can make money as long as you manage it well. Uh, and I think that's definitely a skill that I would like to develop. Yeah. Tell us how you would have managed your trade with Slater and Gordon, where you bought it seven bucks and it's now, what oh, is it? Were you one of those guys? <laughs> yeah, I was, I was. <laughs> it was my first ever trade. Trade. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. When bad things start to happen, they don't just disappear. As you guys know what it's like. You work in, 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 in commerce in an industry, and you know as, as as things unfold, there's generally more to it, and it takes a long time to turn things around. Companies can take years and years and years before they're really starting to, you know, either get a big deal or they do a restructure. And it's the same with anything. You can't just expect a bad a bad piece of news has happened and. The stock's reacted, and when everyone has sold out, that means people aren't going to buy that stock. They're not going to prop it up because they're waiting for things to turn around. Mm-hmm. And what people do is they go, oh, I bought it at X, and now it's at X minus Y. So I bought it at $7.50, whatever, $7.20 was probably the price I bought it at. Oh, now it's at $6. Well, if it was a buy at 7 it was definitely, it's definitely a buy at 6 Well, things have changed a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, and you've got to continue to assess it. And if your stop loss is 10% below, you'd be like, okay, cool, I lost 10% on that. Hmm. Yeah. Not 90%. If only. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's, as I said, you, it's really about managing the trade. I think the best traders, they, they may even only have a hit rate. Like my hit rate's around 35, 40%, I think at best. It's not about, as I, I, I mean, I mentioned it uh, to Bryce is that when we we're chatting, it's investing is not about being right. It's about making money. And making money means doing whatever you can to protect your downside. Uh, and maximize your upside. 
if you can keep money in the game, you will last for a long period of time. So stop losses, they are literally your best friend. Taking small losses is the best thing you can do in the market. Mm. That's, if, if I could pass one piece of information on is, have that insurance on every trade you go into. Have a, have a level in which you guys know that this trade is no longer working for you. And you guys do that great. So that is the most important thing. And that's even if you're a long-term investor. And I guess I just want to finish on this, Matt. Yeah. Um, you know, we talk on the show a lot about looking at the fundamentals of a stock yeah. and, and basing your decisions around that. And sometimes the price doesn't necessarily matter. Of course, entry points are great if you can figure that yeah. out. But do you ever look at fundamentals of stocks prior to then looking at the chart or does the chart drive you to then look at fundamentals or are fundamentals not a thing that you are concerned about at all? Uh, it's a bit of both. I've, I'm, I'm very skeptical of fundamentals because as you've seen in Australia in the last sort of six months to a year, what is published in people's annual reports or their quarterly reports can be totally fluff mm-hmm. as we've seen with um, Get Swift. Mm-hmm. As we've seen with Bigger, Big yeah. uh, Slater and Gordon itself, yeah. uh, one page. I'm very, uh, as I said, the, what moves me is what people are actually buying and selling. At the end of the day, if I, I'll, I'll go back to it. Why I consider investing trading is you need to place a trade to invest. You need to buy, and at some point you're going to sell. If you buy a stock, you've placed the trade. So for me, investing is a subset of trading, and that means that you've always got to consider what other people are buying and selling. You're buying something that's going to go up in price. You're hoping. Well, you want to see that other people want demand for that product. It's like anything. If you're buying apples and oranges as a grocer, you want to buy oranges because you want to sell them at a high price. Mm. And the same thing applies for investing and trading. So that's why I look at charts because I can get a good sense of is there demand for this product. Yeah, it's a, it's a different way of thinking, but something I'm definitely going to continue to learn about because I think there's value in understanding both both sides p- particularly. There's yeah. a really good mix. And I th- and I think a lot of people use a little bit of both. You mm-hmm. want to, is, is there something fundamentally sound about this business that I can rely on? And do I get comfort that someone else is also buying it? And if you put the two together, you've got a real good artillery to work with. Bang, yeah. Just one quick one following on from what Bryce was asking about uh, investing via trading. So we, we recently did a couple of episodes on portfolio construction. And I'd mm-hmm. be interested to know, um, do you, do you, take long-term positions when you're not thinking about you know the money that you're trading but about you know like your sort of long-term wealth like are you do you have a sort of trading account and then an account that's in you know index funds and vanilla bonds and stuff like that as well or is it is it 100 percent trading all the time on the edge uh, <laughs> it's a bit of both you know i've uh, been exposed to quite a few things in in financial services but I would say I've actually got a stock position that I've, tra- I've, tra- I've traded and I've held it for three and a half years because it literally is just a slow burn, uptick, slowly. It's not, it hasn't stopped me out. So I've been in a trade for, for three years, let's say. Okay. Um, so with that, you know, I don't, I, you know, I'm not limited by time. If the stock is performing, I'm going to hold it. It's better than selling and buying something else. Um, but yeah, I've got a, I've got some stuff in some notes, some debt notes. I've got some property, some managed funds, some property. Um, I've got a young family, so I want to obviously put some away uh, for a rainy day and just make sure that it's there. But you know, I really like to be in touch with the markets. For me, it sort of represents what I, you know, the energy that the market brings. Being connected to people, being able to talk about stocks is what excites me most. But getting up in the day and feel like I'm part of the world. So for me, I'll always have a trading account and it'll represent a large portion of my portfolio. And that's also because I strongly believe that if I stick at it, I'll make money for myself and my family. And that's sort of why I keep trading. And my style is, you know, um, as you can see, quite 
hyperactive and ADD, so I really want to basically be managing my own money and be in the game and doing it on my own terms, and that's sort of why trading excites me so much. Yeah, it's interesting. It's because you know th- this podcast we've definitely started talking a lot about uh, long-term investing, uh, you know, the power of compounding and all of that. But um, it's definitely you know what what you do and the way you trade is definitely something that I think there's a lot of merit to and I'm very interested in learning more. Yeah, I agree but Ren, but I also think that we're comfortable to now start looking at this because we've been tra- uh, investing I guess for a number of years in in the safer side and we understand a bit more about the markets and how companies move and how prices move and stuff and I think as a beginner investor to go this is a very hands-on style of investing. Yeah, hundred percent. If if, yeah. if you just want to put a five hundred dollar trade on and uh, and and not touch it, then this probably this style of investing is certainly something that you would definitely want to do a lot more research on before you did your very first trade. I don't know if you have a different opinion on that, Matt, but I think um, yeah, it's yeah, very hands on. Yeah, it is, and uh, you know, I I think most people when they want to get results active, whether you know if you go to the gym, you know, eating better, you've you've got to be active and you've got to be involved and. For some people, that's good, and some people just want to put it away and not think about it and get on with their life. For me, this is part of my life, so I want to be active in it. Mm-hmm. But I think at anything, if you spend time and dedicate yourself to it, uh, you can make it, you know, you're investing in yourself when you're investing, mm-hmm. really, and that's what's so exciting about it. Um, you know, so I, 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 I really believe that if you want to go for investing long-term, if that's, if that's the best thing to give you the chance of success, do that. Like, it's not one or the other. Yeah. It's what is best for your personality, what is going to give me the best chance of success. And if that's long-term investing, you should do that. If it's I want to be active and I want to be involved because that's where I, I get my joy and excitement and that's where I feel like I give myself the best chance of success, do that. Mm-hmm. It's it's not a one-size-fits-all. Yeah. Let, let's have a chat about uh, some of the other stuff that's, that uh, has been going on at stake because I know yeah. that you've got a big update. Uh, and then maybe just to close off, maybe we can talk about, um, you know, if there are any resources or any uh, books or anything that you thought were especially useful to sort of get you where you are, Matt. Yeah, so since we last spoke way back three months ago, we've obviously released our, our mobile app on the App Store, the Apple for iOS on Independence Day. So that was last Wednesday. Yeah. Um, that was obviously really exciting and be the number one requested thing from customers. And yeah. we were happy to deliver that and get that out the door and there'll be constant improvements on that. Um, we've allowed people to fund their accounts faster. So if you fund your account before 4 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time, you can choose to have it in the U.S. that evening, which is pretty much, I think it's faster than even if you're funding in the U.S. because the way their banking system works, that's really, really exciting. One-click trading. So the web is a more of a shopping type experience. Uh, yep. The app is one-click. So if you're speed conscious or you just want to get your trade on or you want to get your investment on. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, you can do that just with a couple of clicks. People are lazy, obviously, these days. And yeah. The cart is um, a bit of a pain for some people. We get that. Um, so we've made some changes there. There's some really exciting news coming for people in a couple of weeks in terms of the amount that it'll take to fund your account. Okay. That's good. That's really, yeah. So it's a really, we're dropping the minimum down right down. Okay. So people, in the, and the minimum trade size right down. So really allowing any Australian to be able to access the market. It's, yeah. it's rightfully theirs in public markets. We want people to access it and we've taken on that feedback so that, yeah. that change is coming. Yeah. Um, and then obviously an Android app will come soon as well. So you can nice. access it from anywhere. And obviously it's a bit of a new look as well. Yeah. Uh, if you've seen some That's of the video. Cool. And um, to really, you know, it really represents the energy of the market and also the energy of our customers and how excited they are about the sense of community and the sense of, you know, being in the share market. Rebrand represents that. And lastly, we just started a referral program. 
So if you're a customer and you refer your friends, instead of giving people discounts and giving them bonuses, which all financial services firms do, we've actually tried to harness that sense of community. And the fact is when you sit in the office, you listen to this podcast, it's about talking about the market between friends, sharing advice. How can I do better? How can you do better? Sharing more stories like we did tonight. Um, so for us, the market's about community and wanted to harness out. So we're giving, instead of just giving those, those usual cash stuff away, we're giving people beers to share with their mates to talk over nice. to talk over the market, especially steak brew. It's pretty cool. And then a hat and a shirt if you can get there as well in terms of referrals. But it's really just trying to turn financial services on its head and say the market is about people. It's not about money. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. No, it was good. I, I, had, a, I had a great time. Um, and Ren, you unfortunately weren't lucky enough to experience the app, but I know you experienced the uh, the web base. And for what we enjoyed the most is, and what Ren actually commented about, if we had been paying brokerage on all those trades over a two-week period, we would be significantly <laughs> down. So much worse. The beauty of not having to pay brokerage uh, makes trading just so much easier. Uh, and now with the app, it's all in the palm of your hand. So yeah, I, I think um, what you're doing is awesome. And up to this point, I had really not given much thought to investing in the US. I don't know about you, Ren, as well, but this has actually really opened my eyes to how much stuff is in the US. Everything from like what we know in the tech side of things and the big banks and that sort of yeah. stuff through to weird and wonderful exotic companies that otherwise the ASX obviously doesn't have. So yeah, it's great. Last bit, um, Matt, I think just a couple of books and, and sure. resources that you obviously love and, and yeah. have got you to this point. Yeah. So, I mean, I've obviously read a lot and I've got a nice library at home and I think way too much room. So I was happy to give you a few of my books <laughs> <laughs> when we caught up the other night. Um, my, if I was going to say three top books to read would be Reminiscence of a Stock Operator. It's about a, a speculator or investor called Jesse Livermore. It's just a classic trading book. Um, if you're deep in the markets, you sort of have to read it, I'd say. Uh, the other one is a Stan Weinstein book, uh, How to Make Money in Bull and Bear Markets. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a relatively light read for a complex, you know, t t gives you a good sense of why you should be buying stocks when they go up, um, when you should be selling stocks. It gives you a good sense of a couple of indicators to use. It's not overly complex, but it's a really nice read. And my favorite book, which I mentioned last time, is How to Trade Like a Stock Market Wizard uh, by Mark Minderverdi. It's got an unusual name. Mm. Uh, it sounds a little bit cheesy, but it's an amazing book. Mm. So he was, Jack Schwager wrote a book on stock market wizards, on, on market wizards, that basically how to, how to regular people come from all walks of life continue to make money in the market. Mm. And he was one of those guys. And he wrote a book that followed up being in the Schwager series. So yeah, you should read the Schwager books as well, the Jack Schwager um, market wizards books there. So there's four for you. There's two Schwager books, one on stocks, one on markets in general, and they're incredibly inspiring. You just see that with a little bit of effort, anyone can do it from a, I've got farmers from Iowa that have done it, and you know, they've got um, women that literally like were just training from home when they were pregnant and they left their job and given birth to kids and were trading. And it's like, it's truly inspiring and it just gets you going. So there's the four books. So it's the uh, Jesse Livermore, it's the Stan Weinstein book, it's the Mark Minerverney, How to Trade Like a Stock Market Wizard, and definitely read the Schwager Stock Market Wizards book and the Wizards book. They're just fantastic. Well, you've read, you've read that, haven't you? I, I, I've read the Market Wizards book, and one of the things that uh, stood out for me was how many of the people he interviewed lost everything and then came back and made money you know, later in their careers or later in the game. So hopefully we can look back at this state competition and say, this is where we failed and, you know, we can be telling the next Market Wizards book in, you know, 20 years or so 
where we went from here. Yeah, well, in 20 years, when Equity Mates uh, investing fund is one of the biggest in the world, <laughs> we'll look back on this moment. <laughs> and I'm actually reading How to Trade Like a Stock Market Wizard right now and uh, agreed. I looked at the title and I was like, this sounds like the biggest cheese. Like, <laughs> no thanks. And you, the guy on the front cover, you know, standing there with his arms folded and you're just like, no way. But uh, Ren, I, I would definitely recommend you read that once you've finished reading whatever you are now because I know you have a big list of books. But uh, to get a great uh, insight into definitely what Matt's thinking and where he gets his thought processes from, this is a great uh, starting book, I reckon, because yeah, a lot of what we've just discussed today is in that book. Yeah, I um, think a lot about reading books is just finding inspiration. Like, <laughs> yeah, as we sort of spoke about, it really depends on your own personality. And if you can find that inspiration, just to do anything in life, you need a little bit of motivation. And these books just show you that it can be done. Yeah, it's it, this is not Mission Impossible. Yeah, if you can just get the right, you know, open the door a little bit, get started, start small, and just start learning as you guys have. Mm. Like the world's your oyster, mm. and that's what's so exciting about them. Mm. Well, let's leave it there, Ren, unless you've got anything major you want to talk about. Um, we've uh, taken up enough of Matt's time. That's all from me. Just um, if people want to find any of those books or, you know, the article we talked about earlier or any more information, check out our show notes. Absolutely. I think most of our books are in our library on our website, equitymates.com forward slash books, and you can buy them straight through us online. Get on stake if you haven't already. And... Uh, a big thanks, Matt. I mean, second time on the show within a matter of months. And that's we great. could definitely keep talking for a while, but, yeah. but we've taken your time and thanks again for joining us. Thanks for giving us the opportunity to do the competition. We learn a lot and I'm hoping our listeners uh, have got something out of it. No, I really appreciate having me. I love being on here. Thanks again. Equity mates and the people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. This is general advice only. Please speak to a financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your individual situation. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.